0: Hi, I'm Tommy Mallon, a 2020 Mariah's Challenge Scholarship winner. And here's what Mariah's Challenge means to me. It means establishing moral principles and adhering to them regardless of peer pressure. It means saying no to underage drinking and never getting into a vehicle with the driver who is impaired. It means being a leader and not let others around you accept underage drinking or let anyone you know get in a car with someone who is impaired. It means pursuing excellence and not letting alcohol and drugs take that away from you. It means setting a positive example for the generations that follow. I'm Tommy Malotte, and I accept Mariah's challenge. I hope you join me and show that you too are Butte Tough.
1: Today's podcast is presented by Thriftway Superstops. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today and find a clean, friendly, professional, and safe environment. You will never find a casino at Thriftway. Thriftway's fountain drinks also taste just like they are supposed to. That is a big deal for me, and I definitely cannot say that about other convenience stores. Download the TLC app, and every sixth fountain drink is free. You can also take advantage of big discounts on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, and fresh-brewed coffee. TLC members also receive five cents off every gallon of top-tier fuel each and every day. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today, because everybody deserves some TLC. Thriftway Superstops is a proud sponsor of the ButteCast. Now... Let's get the show started.
2: Welcome to the Butte cast with Bill Foley.
3: It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world. You, America.
2: Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the
3: richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad. Forward.
1: Today we conclude our series with Butte natives named Mick who are head football coaches at the University of Montana. A couple of weeks ago we had Mick Delaney. Today we have the great Mick Dennehy. Coach Dennehy was the first football coach I ever had to interview. I was a student reporter at the University of Montana paper, the Montana Kyman, when Coach He was promoted from offensive coordinator to head coach of the Grizzlies in 1996. The Grizz, of course, had just won the NCAA Division I AA national title with Coach Dennehy calling the plays for the great Dave Dickinson. As luck would have it, I came in just as my friends at the Kyman were trying to turn a fight at a frat house into a major controversy that would bring down the entire athletic program. Coach Dennehy did not like dealing with reporters in the first place, but he really didn't like the Montana ki at that time. Luckily, I had an ace in the hole. Not only were Coach Dennehy and I both from Butte, we both grew up in the best part of Butte, Centerville. So, Coach Dennehy treated me like gold as I tried to learn to cover a football beat for the first time. Today, I met with Coach Dennehy at the vault inside Metal Sports Bar & Grill for a fun conversation. Listen in as Coach Denny he talks about those days at the University of Montana. Listen as he talks about his stops as head coach at Montana Western and Utah State. Listen as he talks about being a part of Butte High's 1967 state championship football team. Listen to him talk about the so many great people he played and coached with along the way. Today is the first of three podcasts coming your way this week. The first one didn't drop until Wednesday afternoon because I am at the mercy of the Butte High baseball schedule. Coming up, we have legendary Montana Tech professor Dr. Pete Knutson and Butte brothers Paul and Al Cutler. I'm really looking forward to those conversations. Hopefully you are too. Hopefully you are also supporting our great sponsors like Metal Sports Bar and Grill, Home of the Vault Burger. Tell them thank you for bringing us these fun conversations with such great Butte characters. Now, let's catch up with one of the greatest athletes and coaches this town has ever produced, Coach Mick Dennehy. <laughs> Coach, I appreciate your time. I, I see you're wearing the Grizz hat. You Almost. don't have the national championship ring? I do. do, you, do you, you got right that there. On? there. you. Oh, I didn't, you had your hand down. Right but. there, yeah. So uh, what do you brag about more of that? Uh, what what's, What feels better to you, that ring or uh, never losing to the Bobcats in like nine years at UM? Ooh, that's a tough question,
4: Joe. <laughs> that's a toughie. <laughs> You know, I, I would say winning the national championship because that's that's so rare. You know, I in my in my career, you know, I I played at the University of Montana and uh, only lost to them once. That was my last year. It's the one I re- obviously it's the one I remember the most. But uh, I coached there, and uh, I guess you know we split with the Grizz I was we were only there with two years I was with Sonny a little bit back in 80 and 81 and uh, uh, we won one year and the Grizz won one year and then of course I went back in 90 90 I get 90
1: 91 90,
4: 90 yeah I think 91 yeah anyway um so I played in a lot of those games and, and we won most of them but you know I, I lost one yeah. well, I lost one too you know yeah. so but you know you, you know those national championships they just don't yeah. come you know those are generational oftentimes and sometimes once in a lifetime uh, we've been fortunate enough to uh, to have won a couple but anyway um, I would I would say,
1: being on the championship. Yeah. I imagine it must be cool to wear that ring. I remember how I was part of the rush. It was like uh, like when the Tickle Me Elmo doll came out. We were rushing the store to get national championship shirts when they came out at Bob Ward's <laughs> in, uh, in December 90. Right before Christmas, I had a list of like 20 people who wanted me to buy them a national championship shirt. And sure. Because they didn't have them in view yet. And it wasn't quite as fast with the... Up top wasn't turning stuff out yet then. <laughs>
4: no, <laughs> no, no, no. Luke was just a little guy.
1: <laughs> now, how about compared to uh, that you, in '67, you were part of a Butte High state championship team. That has well, to be something that you remember a lot.
4: You know, looking back of all of the, you, you, I was fortunate enough to grow up in an age where we didn't have all this electronic crap. And um, your mom, your mom encouraged you to go out and play yeah. you know she's uh <laughs> saved her saved her some housekeeping but you know that's all we did up in centerville is is in the summertime we played baseball every day and in the, the fall we played football and in the winter we played we played basketball you know we had access to st lawrence gym and blaine gym and and uh you know in the springtime my dad made um, a high jump standards, and, and we, you know we go down to Rosenberg's and get a bamboo pole, and pole oh, really? we pulled We had, yeah, we had track meets. The name, you know, in three houses next to me up in Centerville, there was seven, and five, probably twenty-four kids.
1: Really, no kidding. Yeah. Where, yeah. what what street you on? La Platte. Oh, La Platte. That's why I always talk about Tim Norbeck. He's from La Platte Street. Yeah. And I said. Uh, Half the kids in La Platte Street La ended up in Deer Lodge. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so we always, been my day, Not maybe not back. then. Uh, no. It was, no. Little, it was a little different probably uh,
5: in, but that, in the yeah, 80s.
4: Yeah, you know, that's all we did. And, and uh, you know, I, shoot, I knew what I was gonna do when I was a young kid. Really? Based on, uh, you know, playing games. I, life was a game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that I, you know, I always that game against Great Falls High in '67 always always brings a smile to my face. Uh, yeah, great group of guys. Um, and you know, we several kinda, Hall of
1: Famers, Butte Sports Hall of Famers like Monty Severs. Glenn Welsh at least for two that I know that yeah. off that team
4: there, there were a, there, I don't know how I've never sat down and counted them but there in that group there in 67 68 69 when Salo and Manovich and all those guys graduated there there must have been some 30 40 college players. On, on those teams yes. I mean it was uh, and, and it wasn't unusual I mean you know we grew up watching uh, you know the Sam Jankovic era and you know uh, Swede was a little bit older he was out of football by the time I started following the Bulldogs but um, boy they you know over the years they had a lot of success I think you know at one time um I think they had they, they won more national or more state championships than any high school in the country.
5: Yeah
4: I think uh, I think they've been passed by CMR since uh, and probably others, yeah. you know, but um, pretty good such program. a great tradition, yeah. from the yeah, it the, was on 1900s on. It was a lot of fun. I, I remember that game as much as any game I've ever. Played really? in. And yeah, was, been, been a part of Was that at home or in the road? That was on the road. Yeah. We beat the hell out of them, 14 to nothing. As in Great Falls? Is
5: yeah. That, yeah,
4: yeah. we had to, we actually, in the two drives that we had to score, um, we had two drives that were each over 100 yards because we had a couple 50 yards. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you're playing away from, you're playing on the road. And, yeah. And uh, I'm sure we had a, a couple of holding calls and probably personal fouls and things <laughs> like that. But we played really good. Uh, we were really good defensively and, and uh, you know better than most offensively. Um, did you play offense at all? Well, because you, yeah, you
1: played safety, mostly, right?
4: I did. Um, you know, I played quarterback. Um, and I, I actually played quite a bit of quarterback. Really? Um, yeah. If we you know there were times when if if Dawson struggled a little bit or if we struggled offensively a little bit they'd toss me in and and, uh, uh, I remember against Billings Billings senior we weren't playing very well and went in and we scored a couple touchdowns and ended up beating him fairly easily but I I ended up playing quite a bit um always They'd sneak me in there and throw the half-back pass every now and then. Oh, yeah. and, uh,
1: had a pretty good arm. Because you, you won the you won the good. javelin as a senior, so you must have had a decent arm. I did. Yeah. I
4: didn't have a bad one. <laughs>
1: Pitched a lot of baseball
4: games yeah. in the day. And, you know, unfortunately, they didn't have... Um, when I finished Babe Ruth, uh, they did away with the Legion program for. Actually, oh, did they really? Yeah, for three years. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to play Legion baseball, but um, during part of that time, I think maybe my senior year in high school, the Industrial League um, okay. kicked up and, and uh, played played with some awfully good baseball players. Um, learned a lot of stuff. Not all of it good from <laughs> Jim Stevens and Ray McLaughlin and Bobby McLaughlin and John Thatcher and Gary Barker. And, uh, we it was a fun group of guys. We had a lot of fun, and it was actually a good league, very competitive.
1: Yeah, John Thatcher was. So he's he's probably about what three years, four years older than you. John was a senior when I was a freshman. Yeah, yeah. And he went to Central. Was he? Was he? Uh... Was he notorious back in those days? Not,
4: you know, not particularly. Um, By the time, you know, we moved out of Centerville down to Granite Street, and the Thatcher family moved into a home on Park Street. And from me all the way down through my whole crew of seven brothers and sisters, there was a Thatcher who was the same age. Oh, yeah. Almost. So you're
1: matched up with them all.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Gene and I were the same age, and, and my brother, Bob, and, and, I mean, you can go on. And yeah. on. My sister, Lynn, and Lynn Thatcher, yeah. uh, uh, the younger ones, yeah, without question. Yeah, except Kelly. My youngest brother, Kelly, was 14 years younger than I was, so he's a little younger than the rest of everybody, but... Um, yeah, I've I have i have known John for
1: ages. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you go to Blaine? No, oh, I, I went to Saint Lawrence. Oh did you, oh, you were a Saint Lawrence kid? I right? was a hilltopper, yeah. Yeah, which Blaine was open there. It, it was, Blaine was open, yeah. Was it right was the school that is today up there? Is that where it was? Yeah. That was the one.
4: Yeah. You know, yeah. I was uh, again really fortunate when I played at St. Lawrence, we never lost a game. Never lost a football game. Never lost a basketball game. It was a pretty amazing deal. Um, the Hill kids, you know, yeah. it's kind of us against the whole, the rest of the yeah. city. I,
1: I tease Bernie Boyle about that all the time, because he was a St. Lawrence guy, and I said, yeah. "I thought you," I said, "I thought you were a Hill guy." I didn't realize you're a Flatlander. <laughs> <fly> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. But anyway, yeah, a great place to grow up great time to grow up great city to grow up in
1: yeah there's so that candy store there the what was it Lowry's. lowry's was that there then on federal right on well street we used to go up to there when i was a kid what street uh, well street right below center one below center is a little well street there
4: well i know yeah i know uh, where you're talking about and it's but I... right up
1: on the hill there's a little there was a little yellow uh, house that was a uh, yeah, it was pearl Shays.
4: It, yeah. pearl Shays had a little grocery store. In yeah. used to, and and then, right across the street was a, a, a lady. Her name was Enid Sanders. Okay. Enid e, e, e Sanders. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Sanders. Anyway, she had a store too. They oh, kind of, right. yeah, they kind of, they kind of competed. It was, in the old days, Bill, it was kind of like. Grocery stores, neighborhood grocery stores were like bars. Yeah, every neighborhood. And you uh, didn't
1: have to go to town to no. to get your milk and bread and stuff. No, no, you did. So, you, did you grow up then? You in St. Lawrence? Did you think you were going to go to Central, or were you always no. a Butte High Bulldog? No, I knew no, I was going to. Yeah. I knew I was going to go to
4: Butte High. Um, I I grew up watching, you know, everybody that was older than me at both schools play, you know. <laughs>
1: Like, do you watch um, Obilovich and
4: yeah, and play. yeah? I was really small then, though. Yeah. Um, but I remember Bobby and I remember Dusty Dan and, and, and all of those yeah. guys and you know Mick Delaney and um, I watched Delaney and um, Central play um, Anaconda, um, Crevo, uh, Lenny. What the hell? The kid that went to Utah State um, from Anaconda. Led, oh, the, led the country in scoring. Yeah, Estes. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah, I yeah, watched Wayne Estes. Uh, used to sit in the front row right under the basket and give him so much crap. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, but, boy, was he a good player. Yeah. Oh, just unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, it, it was fun.
1: I was looking through uh, Pat Carney's book, uh, Butte's Big Game. He did it on the Butte High Butte Central game. Yeah, and it had uh, you know it has a story and it kind of does a season wrap up of how each team did after each each game. And it ta- had a quote from uh, Bill Campbell called, uh, I think he called you the monster on defense and uh, called you a tough gritty player, a real tough gritty player. Which uh, pretty good compliment coming from Coach Cambich. And uh, what was he? What was he like? I knew him from the golf course. What was he like as a coach?
4: He, yeah, you know, he was. Um, his bark was way, way, way worse than his bite. One of those guys. <laughs> yeah. He was rough, rough, but had a big, big, huge heart and and uh, pretty emotional. Um, you know, he 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 let he let his coaches coach. His coach. You know, I don't, he wasn't one of those guys that was in everybody's business. And, yeah. and he was kind of, you know, really, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity and the, the the pleasure to play for a lot of really, really good coaches. But his style and, and, and how he went about it, I learned a lot from him in terms of, uh, we've got. When I mean, you've got good people working for you, let them go. Yeah. And uh, when things don't go so bad, um, don't point your finger at anybody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, look in the mirror, and you know that's kind of where everything starts. And, I, I, and he was that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I loved him. Of course, the golf course. He he was his bark was a little louder than his bite then too in the golf course, but he was always joking around. But he was a lot of fun.
4: Well, when I first went to Montana, you know, he was, everybody was, uh, the the prevailing attitude toward Montana and toward Montana State kind of ebbed and flowed, and, you know, when, when I was going through high school, the... The flow was more toward the east than it was the west. Really, and uh, so anyway, and Sonny Lubick, who I have a great deal of respect for, was really my position coach, my freshman basketball coach, coached varsity football when I played or basketball I played. Um, They. But I guess what I'm saying is, Camage called me after I got the job at Montana. Him and Jim went in. You probably remember. Widen. I remember Wendy went in, yeah. Treasure State Sporting Goods. But yeah. anyway, he they he called me on the phone. And he said, Nick, this is Bill Cammage. I said, Coach, how you doing? He said, You uh, probably never guess why I'm calling. I said, Yeah, I'm can probably figure that out. I, he, I said, well, how many tickets do you need? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I need four. I said, who are you for, Bill? <laughs> and he said, well, most of the time I'm for Montana State, but I'm for you guys this <laughs> week. I said, well, word comes back to me that you're rooting for Montana. This was Cat Grisky. Yeah. He said, word comes back that you're... Uh, you're saying positive stuff to Montana State, negative stuff about our Grizzlies. I said, you'll never get another ticket from me. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I said, by the way, this is the first time you've ever called me. And I, you know, we've, I've known you since 1965. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, but no, he was a, he was a good guy.
1: Congratulations to this week's Lescavar Honda Athletes of the Week, Butte High's Ryan Farreter and Butte Central's Ry Doherty. Ferreter had a huge game at the plate and in the pitcher's circle as the Bulldogs beat Missoula Hellgate 20-3 at Stodden Park. Ferreter homered and drove in three runs from the number 3 hole to lead the Bulldog offensive attack. She also struck out seven batters through four innings to grab the victory in the circle. Doherty had a big-time performance on the bump as Butte Central picked up its first victory in baseball. The Maroons went on the road to beat Lone Peak 5-4. Doherty pitched the distance in the win. He struck out 14 and walked just one. At the plate, he also worked a pair of walks. Congratulations Ryan and Rye and thank you Lescavar Honda for recognizing the hard student-athletes of the Mining City.
0: Hey Butte America, John Davis here at Lescavar Honda. We just received a new shipment of cars, trucks and
1: SUVs and we have them priced and moved. Our new vehicles come with a 20-year, 200,000 mile warranty and two years or 24,000 miles of
0: complimentary maintenance most of our pre-owned vehicles come with the same 20 or 200000 mile warranty with most makes and models on our lot and of course all prices are clearly marked stop on down and see us less of our honda are you looking for a place to host a special event or a party or just looking for a drink served by the best mixologist in town look no further than 51 below speakeasy and casino Take a step back in time and enjoy some of our signature cocktails such as an Old Fashioned or a Pink Mate. Stop in for happy hour Monday through Thursday from 4pm to 6pm and 2pm to 6pm Friday and Saturday for $2 cans of your favorite beer or two for five seltzers or well mixers. Or try one of our tap beers for just $5 along
1: with weekly specialty cocktails. Located underneath the Miner's Hotel, where Butte locals receive a 20% discount on rooms, 51 Below has live music every Friday night. So stop by 51 below Speakeasy and Casino for a good time with good friends and great drinks. And don't forget to dial five. Lockmer Plumbing is more than Butte's complete union plumbing shop. Whether it is sponsoring Little League Baseball, High School Athletics, Montana Tech, Youth Racing, 4-H, Mining City Christmas, Action Inc's Homeless Solution Program, Head Start, or Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Butte, Lockmer Plumbing is always looking out for the people of the mining city. Owned and operated by Troy and Amy Lockmer since 2002, Lockmer Plumbing can handle all your residential, commercial and industrial plumbing needs as well as making repairs and installations on all plumbing and boiler systems. In the heart of Uptown Butte, Lockmer Plumbing can also assist on new construction and planning for your new home or development. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerPlumbing.com today. Lockmer Plumbing has your pipes covered and so much more.
0: This message is brought to you by Anode Designs in Anaconda. I know what you're all thinking, fully, you twit. Why are you letting this Anaconda hack get connected with the Butte cast? Well, folks, money talks. Anode Designs is a printing and direct-to-garment shop in Anaconda, but that's not all we do. We actually specialize in embroidery and graphic design. We also dabble in sign creation and vinyl banners, also decals for your motor vehicles. Now, there are so many great options for screen printers out there. Take 5518, for example. You all know the work John and company do in Butte. And like me, they support local guys like this who started a podcast, really original. But if your current printer is too busy to get your job done in a timely fashion, why not give us a try? For a limited time only, all new businesses who place an order with Anode Designs will get their screen, embroidery, and graphic design origination fees waived. Just call 406-563-0121 or email anodedesignsllc at gmail.com and use the code Foley Who? during the consultation. Anode Designs is a proud supporter of the Butte cast and is pushing hard to get more Anaconda talent on the show. Don't just take it from me. Listen to the buttery smooth voice of a Butte legend tell you. There's two things we like about Butte. It's 24 miles away and Tom O'Neill. Welcome to Copperhead Country.
1: And you played, obviously played what, four years for the, the Grizzlies and you put the old Dornblazer Stadium, which that was right, right up against the hill, wasn't it kind of?
4: No, 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 no. That's the old, they old, moved it
1: over. It was over where it is today.
4: Yeah, be. it's over where the track facility is okay. over. I can't even yeah. You guys get good crowds there? Uh, decent. Yeah. You know, not, not like today. No, yeah. no, no, not like today. It's
1: crazy. To yeah, you
4: know, the stadium probably probably held twelve thousand. I suppose. Yeah. And we'd fill it for the Cat Grizz game and or the Grizz Cat game. And, and uh, you know, Idaho came. We always had a big. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. a pretty big, uh, pretty big rival Yeah. Game, you know, I mean, with Naseby there. And, some of the issues that he had going back to yeah. his playing days at Idaho and stuff uh, that was a huge huge game and, and uh, but not, we, we didn't fill it all the time but
5: yeah
4: fans were wild though still yeah. you know they Grizz uh, fans
1: are always a little're uh, uh, crazy and a little fickle <laughs> uh, they're spoiled yeah it's just call the spade a spade they're, they're spoiled uh, and
4: uh, I can remember in 93 uh, or no no yeah in 1993 um, we were playing Dickinson With Dickinson was our starting quarterback and we were playing South Dakota State and we were down 39 to 7 with 3 minutes to go and. Third quarter, <laughs> and we had quarterback club standing, their quarterback club guys standing up and tearing their tickets up and <laughs> walking out of the stadium, and, and uh, you know we come back and yeah and, uh, you, know, you know we just told the kids hey if we win this Dean thing everybody's got to score defense you've got to score some points we've got to score on special teams. Um, and we got to get our heads out of our behinds on offense and get it going too. Well, we did, and I think I think Guernsey. And it was a weird deal because you know we're in rat we're in rabbits five wideouts yeah. and, and we got I think it was fourth down it was fourth and fourth and three and Matt Wells is sitting in a slot uncovered. There's about 16 seconds left, and I'm thinking. Okay, he's going to throw the ball to Wells. So we're going to get a first down. Uh, the chains, they stop the clock. If we need to, we'll clock it. We get, we're going to have 15 or 16, 14, 13 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and three plays to go 30 yards. Yeah. And I'm looking at well, You know, ball snapped. I'm looking at Wells. And... Yeah. <laughs> Dickinson doesn't throw the ball to him. I said, oh, David. And all of a sudden, you know, Guernsey ran a favor out and scored, and we win the game with, you know, five, six seconds Uh left. And and, uh, I'll never forget going to that quarterback club the next Tuesday, walking in there and uh, looking at a couple of those guys, and I said, hey, I understand there's... There's a couple season tickets uh, you guys may be looking for. I somebody (laughs) told me you ripped yours up, (laughs) but that's you know everybody loves to win. Um, They they've got a little bit more of a dose of it than most everybody else has, and it's they're spoiled as hell.
1: Yeah, I think a few people left the stadium in the was it '94 McNeese State game. When could be dickinson was on the he was hurting that one what, what was the quarterback's name that Bart, Bert burt wilberger wilberger yeah, yeah. was yeah. he canadian was he from canada or was that no name? he was
4: from uh he was from oregon oh, cool. um ashland oregon yeah ashland had some really good players with a lot of players yeah. that we got from were from there. wells yeah. uh, but anyway yeah well that's another story in itself i we lost uh we lost to Delaware in the playoffs the year before, forty-nine to forty-eight. Andy Larson had missed a field goal, and uh, I—if he'd—if he'd, have, if he'd have missed that field goal against McNeese, somebody might have shot him. Yeah. And uh, I was—that was the only thing on my mind. I—I you know, <laughs> wasn't looking to see if he made it or missed. it. it was I, the snow
1: was just starting to stick and everything right yeah, at that moment too. Yeah. Yeah. They great. didn't
4: have the seats the on that, and that north was all end these grass, and all that stuff, yeah. yeah. But uh, he made it, and he's made some awfully big kicks in his career. He said he had a pretty good career for it. So. Yeah.
1: Well, I remember it's funny you talk about someone who's going to kill him. When uh, I was watching at the press box in <laughs> watching the championship game in '95, and he goes trotting out to kick that field goal, and uh, somebody jumps, and he just screams out, Larson, you missed this kick, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, I, I think if the goalpost was three feet wide, he would have made that kick. Yeah, it was right down the middle, if I remember right. But
4: yeah, he uh, he drilled it. It was it was good. Yeah.
1: Well, that game was uh, that was just such a special game uh, for Dickinson, because so I think he was sacked ten times. You know, when if you look back at that, their
4: their defense was something special. Yeah. You know. They had they had a couple guys, you know that Lions kid that played tackle for them. Um, we were pretty good up front. Yeah. Uh, you know we had a couple we had a couple two three guys get uh, get tryouts in the NFL yeah. and stuff like that. But had a couple guys played for a while in the NFL. We had a hell of a time. They they were they were really a good football yeah. team. They were really yeah. really good. You know, our defense played so good at that game, though, you know. And
1: well, the two point I always love to point out, the two points for courtesy of Butte America there. Yeah. With uh, Randy Riley and Brian Toon. Brian
4: Toon, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they uh, um, they played a freshman quarterback, too, that uh, played in the NFL for about 12 Yeah, Chad years, Pennington. And yep. uh, he, was, he was a good player. Um, you know, I... I'd still take Dickinson at any age, freshman, sophomore, yeah. junior, senior. Dickie probably could have played for us and started for us as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, we had a senior named Brad Lebo. And
1: it wasn't bad at all. Yeah,
4: <laughs> Lebo was good. He was a good player. Yeah. And, you know, your loyalties have got to go to those
1: kids that have been there. Well, he got looks out. in the NFL too, didn't Lebo?
4: Not really. Yeah. No. He had a real, real uh, awkward uh, release yeah. and uh, but he was a good player you know the one thing that that I really that I learned from Don in terms of that position is pretty damn important yeah and you better have a guy that knows how to win at that position and as all ever as, did as we went through that every I'm not going to say everyone but 90. Plus percent of the kids that we had play that position won state championships, multiple state championships yeah. in high school. Um, some of them never lost a game. You yeah. know, and you got even Bert Wilberger, state yeah. champions in Oregon, Dickey, um, Brian Ayotte. Yeah. Um, you know, they, he never... He never did beat St. Louis, but he was pretty good. Yeah, he uh, was amazing. You know, and then after that you got uh, uh, Drew Miller who won state championships And you know, we got him from BYU, he transferred yeah. in. But behind him we had, you know, John Edwards. Who, Johnny
1: Montana, as uh, uh, I think Joe Glenn called him that. Yeah,
4: and uh, you know, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Walker two freshmen. Nick played at Plentywood uh, and you know Miller got hurt we went to, we went to Idaho State and uh, this wasn't this was only a couple weeks after John's mom passed away and uh, we decided we we're going to play both freshmen and uh, we we're going to try to play them each a half, as close to a half of, as we could. Shoot um, Edwards I think he was he was 20 for 22, and and, and the two incompletions were drop passes.
5: Really,
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah. y- you know, you you can win with good, solid, tough, smart, young yeah. players if yeah. if the people around them, you know, are are, are pretty good and do their jobs. Yeah, uh, you know, they can't go out and do it by themselves, um, like some of them have the ability to do when they get older, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. That was our philosophy yeah. anyway, um, and it would still be if if I was a younger guy and still yeah. working. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, but anyway, um, did did you know Don Reed was going to retire after the championship? No, no, it was. It, it, it seemed like a shock to everybody when it happened. Well, yeah. <sighs>
4: there were some indicators there were some indicators but um and the the indicators being um, some of us assistants don would ask us to do some of the stuff that uh, you know a meeting that he was supposed to speak at or the big sky meetings or whatever and uh you know, he just he just kind of asked more and more of me that year prior to and uh, there, but there he didn't he never did sit down with any of us and and say hey guys it's been a lot of fun we'll catch you later <laughs> um, no it, it it was a it was a shocker and and it was a very strange it was a very strange process as well
1: yeah um,
4: you know I mean. Here we have a, a really, really successful run from, you know, really Don's whole time there, but yeah. particularly from 93, 94, 95, we had a lot of games. And uh, so all of a sudden this, this comes up, and uh, to, to regress a little bit, I didn't stay for the celebration in the Adams House the day after we won the national championship because Cliff Eisel had been in uh, um, Leif, Leif uh, Thorson's home the day of the game. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so that being my recruiting area, I was on the road that morning and in Thorson's house the next day. No. And uh, so anyway, I'm I'm in my in the Outlaw Inn the next morning. I've stayed there, and I, there was another offensive lineman was going to go visit the next day in uh, Lane And I get a phone call, and I just got out of the shower and answered the phone and said, uh, Mickey, and I said, "Yeah, this is he. This is Lou Holtz." <laughs> Wow. I can't repeat on your podcast what I said. <laughs> I said, which one of my butte buddies is this? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I called Linda Cardinal, your secretary, and, and got the number. I got I got a favor I have to ask him. Well anyway, he wanted some he wanted some film on our screen game where they were playing Oklahoma and New Oh, Really? And yeah. stuff like that. And he wanted our cutout cut-ups and I said, Coach, I said we're not like you guys. We don't have cutups. in the next <laughs> day after the game, yeah. our our cutups come after recruiting's so over, between recruiting and spring <laughs> practice. I said I'd send you, you know, two or three game films if that would suffice. And yeah. he said, Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. And can I call you if I have any questions? I said, Sure. Yeah. I said, In fact, I'll send you. It provided you give me your word that you're not going to share this stuff with anybody else i'll send you uh, i'll send you our screen package out of our playbook so anyway don don resigns and the process starts i don't know besides myself yeah. who i think you know they they open it up which is fine yeah um, i'm assuming tommy lee probably was contacted Uh, i don't know who else above and beyond that but um, during during the process wayne hogan called and said hey we got a meeting at the president's house tonight Uh, i said fine uh it's about time (laughs) so anyway (laughs) we sat down and, and had a meeting with George Dennison, and, and uh, um, you know basically he said you, you, you realize that the most important person in the state of Montana or at the University of Montana besides is not me no. he said it's a football coach you, yeah. you understand <laughs> don't you well yeah. come on I might not be the smartest guy <laughs> in the world, but I'm not that stupid yeah um, but anyway, we got through it, and, and uh, nothing, nothing had been done, or uh, they didn't make a move or tell me then and there. But I'm in the office the next day, and, I, and Wayne Hogan comes into the office. He says, hey, come up here. you got to listen to this, uh, this phone message I got. And so I go up to his office, and... Uh, Lou, Lou Holtz had left a message for Hogan while we were uh, at the president's house in night before, <laughs> and and basically his his message to Hogan was, "What in the hell are you guys doing? You guys must be a bunch of dumb SOPs. <laughs> Uh You got the guy right there. What yeah. the hell are you dragging <laughs> your feet for?" Uh, and uh, so anyway, it wasn't long after that. That, uh you know everything kind of came in that's
1: filled. a pretty that's a pretty good recommendation you're getting from Holtz. yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah it, it, you know the coaching profession is really an amazing perf- pretty share as competitive yeah. and as cutthroat as as it is and appears to be it's pretty pretty sharing and caring yeah. and, and it seems like coaches
1: a football coach knows every football coach in the country it seems like college yeah
4: pretty much um yeah, I mean you do um, yeah, you know when I when I went to been a good example when I went to uh, Utah State my second year there, we played uh, I think we played seven nationally ranked teams, two the second and sixth ranked team in the country Oregon yeah. and, and uh, LSU, Lou Saban was at, at LSU at that time. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times the night before the game, you'd run in, you know, you'd be doing something where the two of you'd be together. And, yeah. you know, it, it, we, it, you'd have a lot of really, really cool visits with those guys that, you know, you used to kind of go in thinking, what's this guy going to be like? And they're all just, they're guys. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, Good B.S.ers, uh, good storytellers. Uh, but, you know, if uh, if you asked them for a favor, they do a favor, yeah. you know, good people.
2: Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef, but did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grandes, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grandes can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertocchio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at CasaGrandaSteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where
3: the locals eat. Shop where the champion shop at Dig City Supply. The Fan Gear headquarters for all things Montana Tech is right across the street from the Uptown Parking Garage on Park Street. Not only can you get your Charlie or Digger fix, but we carry the area's largest selection of Montana and Montana state apparel, as well as Butte High, Butte Central, and all the elementary school gear. Dig City is also home to the exclusive, licensed Butte Icon shirt collection. We partnered with cherished Butte institutions to offer one-of-a-kind graphic tees from places like the Silver Bow Drive-In, Beef Trail Ski Area, Bonanza Freeze, our brand new Evil Knievel designs. Head uptown to Park Street and check out Dig City Supply and find us online at digcitysupply.com.
1: Is your house too cold or is it too hot? Either way, Lockmer Sheet Metal is here to help. With more than 40 years of experience in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning trade, Lockmer Sheet Metal strives to bring quality service and knowledgeable work to help with your HVAC projects or needs. Lockmer Sheet Metal offers repair services for all forced air, central air systems, installation of new HVAC systems, service contracts for maintenance and service, all residential and commercial applications, fabrication of sheet metal for all types of projects and ventilation and exhaust systems, as well as commercial heating and cooling. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerSheetMetal.com to warm up or cool down with Lockmer Sheet Metal, your local dealer for train heating, cooling, air handling and ventilation products. Remember Lockmer Sheet Metal for all your home heating and cooling needs.
2: Lone Peak Physical Therapy is your premier privately owned physical therapy, occupational therapy, certified hand therapy, pelvic health and personal training facility located right here in beautiful Butte, Montana. With over 21 years of experience, our team here at Lone Peak is hyper-focused on you, your goals and finding a way to help you get better faster. We provide one-on-one care with the highest quality specialized services. Are you tired of dealing with your low back pain, arthritis, carpal tunnel, neck pain, headaches, and shoulder pain? Did you just have a recent surgery? Do you struggle with feeling off balance or do you get dizzy during your day? How about a custom splint built for your hand and wrist? Did you recently have a baby and now your body feels tremendously foreign to you? Look no further. We are here for you and ready to help you move better and feel better every step of the way. You do not need a doctor's referral to come in and see us. We accept health insurance and also offer comprehensive self-pay options. Don't settle for mediocre health care. Your journey to living better and getting back to doing what you love can start today. Give us a call at 406-494-7050 or visit our website at lonepeakpt.com to speak to an expert now.
1: Will you replace, of course, you replace Don Reed? Not only are you replacing the, you know, a Great football coach, you're replacing the polished politician. Don Reed could, uh, you know, he was he was really depressed. Loved him, you know. He was. Uh, I, I think I ran and I met him one time, and then two years later I see him and he remembered my name. <laughs> you know, he was he would have he would have been a good governor candidate. But was did, is that a tough part about the job for you? Did you like dealing with the media and the press conferences and all that? I don't know that anybody.
4: Really likes doing that, Bill. Yeah. I, I I mean, there are some. Yeah. I, I to be to be real honest with you, I don't know if anybody ever really likes it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that goes with the job. The
1: necessary evil um, kind of deal. You know,
4: the media, the, the alumni, um, recruiting. Yeah. Um, not recruiting is a different deal. I really enjoyed recruiting. I really enjoyed being on the road, and meeting people, and selling a Great product yeah. that we had at the University of Montana, and uh, um, but yeah, it it does it gets old. Yeah, um, there's no question. Um, Especially know. after
1: you lose a game and somebody who's never played sitting there asking you a question like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> no. It's gonna be tough. It's tough sometimes to hold your tongue.
4: Well, it is, you know, and, and I I tried to be I I. I'm not. I'm not a great orator. I'm not, and and I realize that. And I don't care. Yeah. Uh, you know, if somebody wants an opinion, I'll give them an opinion. Uh, and but other than that, I'm I'm fairly quiet and and, and reserved, and probably a better listener than than. Uh. Anyway, yeah. It's it's just it's part of the deal. And, some some guys are really good at it, but even the guys that are good at it still don't really. Uh, you know, and, and and I agree with you. There there are guys that they don't they don't know whether it's stuffed or pumped. Yeah. They, they don't have a clue. And, yeah. And uh, some of the information that they want, and sometimes even demand, is what kind of makes you angry. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll never forget. You know, Kim Brigham ended up being...
1: We were fairly close, not... I mean, we... Yeah, he had to be for the... Yeah, fairly.
4: We had a good... We had a pretty good relationship in spite of, you know, the old... Well, you remember the old fraternity deal with... uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm two weeks into my coaching debut at the University of Montana. And all hell breaks loose one night after a game down at the Sigma Chi house or Sigma Nu house or SAE house or probably a couple of them. But you know, heard what happened, found out who it was, brought him in, talked to them all. Um, Kim calls, and then you know the, the next day. The article comes out in the Kyneman and yeah, so the, Watergate the, at the, the University of Montana football team. <laughs> and there were 11 guys yeah. of which seven of them were involved in a fight with probably 60 or 70 fraternity guys. Yeah. And anyway, um, as it all ended up, Kim called and demanded the names of the kids. <laughs> I said, why the heck should I do your job, <laughs> Kim? I said, I don't, I'm not ashamed of, of any of these guys. I'll be honest with you, if I've, if, if somebody told me what had happened and that they were going to the fraternity house, I'd have probably gone with them. Yeah. I know damn well if I was playing on a team with a bunch of guys <laughs> and I knew exactly what happened and I'd been there but why should I do your job for you? Yeah. I said, you go get the name of everybody that started this deal, and everybody that was involved in the fraternity side. And I said, I'll give you every name. All <laughs> 11 of them, not, not the one, Not it wasn't our whole team. He still yeah. was under the impression it was yeah. 50, 60 guys.
1: Well, then, then the Kyman, I, I was working at the Cayman then, and that was—I was just starting my career, trying to be uh, learn a beat, cover a football team, and and then. Uh, you I walk, know, I know you, were. you. You walk into the athletic department as a member of the Cayman then, and you know I wasn't—I didn't write any of those football or those fight stories, and it was—it made it made life tough for me. I remember because all all my friends at the Cayman are turning this into Watergate and going to bring down the the athletic department, and and uh, I just wanted to. Write about a football game. <laughs> well, I,
4: I after the came and you know initially wrote their first couple articles, I I told everybody I said, hey, they're off limits. Yeah. None of you are to speak with them. So we, we I boycotted them, and uh, finally after you know, I don't know a couple weeks or so, Dennison shows up in my <laughs> office and he says, Mick, he said it's about time you have kind of let this thing go. Huh? I've been the is just killing me with demands that uh, <laughs> you let somebody in your door. Yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do that. But the only guy from the common I'll talk to is Foley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that was uh, that was a fun time, and I, of course I always appreciate that. You uh, you were always good to me. Of course I. I have a feeling if I was from uh, West Virginia or something, it wouldn't have been uh, as easy to deal with you. But being a Butte guy, you were all, you always treated me really well.
4: Yeah, you know, Butte guys got to
1: kind of stick together, yeah. don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, without question. Her, your, and also your first season. Speaking of Butte guys, you have uh, you start off the job and you got a guys battling off for the quarterback spot, and one of them happens to be one of my best buddies in the world, Josh Pfauzen, and one's Brian Ayotte. And I always contended that the Grizzlies are going 14-0 and 0 and into that championship game with, Brian, with uh, either quarterback. Josh Paffhausen was really good, but he was also a really good receiver, which kind of – did that play into your part, or was it just the IOT being so good? Well, for what
4: we did, I mean
1: – He was more we, of a sister, we, were,
4: we were the last of a dying breed. I mean, yeah. we were a dinosaur, really terms of what we did on offense, basically our philosophy: first down, first and long, first and ten, third and ten. There was no difference. Yeah. I mean, it didn't make any difference.
1: Five wideouts. <laughs> um,
4: yeah. And uh, based on what we did, um, Brian just did a little bit better.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, now. There reached a point in time after after Brian was done that um, I got tired. Actually, I got tired of not being able to run the ball when we had games in. You know, when we had when we had the game, uh, you know the score was such that you know you you want to try to run the clock out. and you don't want to be throwing the ball doing it. And, uh, you know, you like to be able to get some first downs. And we just had a hell of a time doing it. And uh, so, you know, Pease left and we brought uh, Bob Cole in and, and uh, we moved Johan C. Humphrey from corner to, he was a hell of running back yeah. in, in Anchorage. And uh,
5: Great we, we made
4: it. A, we made a commitment to run the football. And we, we never had a tight end in the program. We moved Dallas Neal. you know, we
5: and
4: almost killed Bruce Reed. Bruce was the special teams <laughs> guy. We recruited Dallas as a punter, but shoot, six, two and a half kid that's probably 230 pounds and might have been the fastest guy
1: on our team. He was a freak athlete. So athlete.
4: we moved him and, and uh, he played some age kind of stuff for us. And, and uh, you know, first year, uh, Johanse sets a school rushing record uh, buddy that I played with back in 69 said it a guy named Steve Caputo we're running the wishbone. and uh, but if we if if pathhausen and I uh, would have been in that generation of what we were doing in offense yeah. when we had John John and drew and those guys Josh Josh had it We'd have kept Josh at quarterback.
1: You know? Oh, really?
4: Oh, yeah. He'd have been great. Yeah. Yeah, he, he really would have been great. But at the same time, he was a good enough athlete to where we felt, you know, let's get him on the field. I mean, it's crazy not, you know, to, not to play your best yeah. player your best athlete. Guy runs a, some mean, 1,100. And, yeah, he you – know. You know, he'd, he'd, been, he'd been in the quarterback room for two years and, and he knew all the routes. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer, really. Yeah,
1: and he, had, uh, he had a, and he was, boy, he was tough, he was good. Remember, he had set the school record with receptions in one year after being in the hospital with a 103 fever on Monday, and then on Saturday he sets the school record for receptions.
4: Yeah, yeah, good kid, good
1: player. Good family. Yeah. And he, I just wonder how good, good he could have been. I remember showing up at a practice at Washington Grizzly stadium one day and I overhear you talking to the players about it's too bad what happened to Josh and you know, what's going on with him. And so I go over to see Josh leaving the field and I run over and grab him and he tells me his ACL has gone, you know, and he said, what? <laughs> how is that possible? And he said, well, my ACL is just not there anymore. Just like disintegrated. And, and, uh, I thought his career was over, but he puts on a knee brace and goes out and catches a bunch of passes for you still.
4: Yeah, I, I vaguely, I vaguely remember that.
1: Really? Yeah. But
4: yeah, uh, but yeah you, you know, I mean, there, there are probably a lot of guys from my generation that didn't have ACLs. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it was just something you just did. Line up and play, you know. But um, that's become. Become a pretty big issue in later years, I
1: guess. Yeah. So uh, that championship game, the second year you guys go to West Virginia, I got to go that time with the time, and they sent me down there. But I remember talking with Mert Riley on the by, You remember the great Mert Riley, uh-huh. Randy's dad. How and
4: could, uh, how could you he had a Mert? philosophy
1: that he should have told you. He didn't tell. I don't think he got. To, he wasn't privy to your uh, coaching meetings at the time. But he says, uh, what they got to do to win this game is they got to put Paul Jenkins at cornerback. And I, and I said, what are you talking about? And he says, it basically his theory was, you put Paul Jenkins and line him up against Randy Moss. Because if you put Paul Jenkins against Mother Teresa, after three plays, she's going to take a swing at Paul Jenkins. <laughs> and uh, then they both get tossed from the game, and then you're playing Marshall without Randy Moss. That was, uh, that was a pretty good theory, I think, that... Uh, Bert came up with.
4: Well, he should have told me about. it. I might have have done that. He might not be too far from wrong. Yeah, would have been a hell of a football game, I think, if uh, if there wasn't a person named Randy Moss. Yeah. I think it would have been
1: pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That that guy was just uh, just out of this world. You know. Of course, then he goes to the NFL in '98 and tore up the NFL. Whenever he wanted to, he always for the rest of his career he tore up the NFL. Oh,
4: well, he was by far the best that I've ever, yeah, I've ever seen. And to see him that up close and personal was really something. Yeah. You know, we had some awfully good players in the secondary that year. We tried to double him. We tried a whole bunch of stuff that we never really had to do ever against anybody else. And, uh, we just, we didn't have no answers. Yeah, and nobody else did either.
1: No, no, it was. I still have nightmares seeing those socks.
4: Maybe Paul, maybe Paul would have been the answer. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> now, now you're giving me something to think think yeah. about for the next couple years. Because Jenkins
1: could trash talk and smack talk was as good as anybody. Probably he was uh, speaking of good Butte guys.
4: I saw him last oh, uh, <laughs> six months ago. Yeah. He hasn't changed.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen him in probably 20 years. So he's a good guy. He was a lot of fun. He was.
0: There's always fun in motion at the big red barn. Old fashioned service, that's what sets us apart. Where you can win and laugh out loud. The hokey pokey is what it's all about. Where neighborhood people have good old fashioned fun. There's always something.
3: 5518 Designs is your Montana lifestyle apparel headquarters in Uptown Butte. We're gearing up to launch all of our brand new designs for the summer. All our designs are created in-house, actually in the cabin that we have in the back of the store, and they're meant to get you psyched about all your summer adventures. Whether it's biking, hiking, floating, festivaling, or just chilling lakeside, we've got the tees, hats, hoodies, and gifts that everyone is sure to love. And We haven't even mentioned our unique line of Butte gear, but we'll save that for another commercial. In the meantime, stop in the 5518 Designs at 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte and shop online at shop5518.com.
1: Are you looking for somewhere to watch your favorite teams play? Or just somewhere to meet your friends? Or are you looking for a place to hold your big celebration or cater your private event? Look no further than Metal Sports Bar & Grill. They can do it all. With their 31 big screen televisions, you will not miss a second of action. And a full menu of cooked to perfection favorites is sure to please. Try the vault burger, raise fingers, or one of Chef T's specialty items, or just enjoy a drink and some friendly company with Dave and the staff as you take in the action at Metal Sports Bar and Grill. Metal Sports Bar and Grill is located on the corner of Park and Main in historic Uptown Butte. Stop by today or check out their menu at metalsportsbarandgrill.com. Metal Sports Bar and Grill, where the food is the star.
3: There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary.
1: Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now, it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. Now you go to Utah State and you were there four years to... Of course, you, you had a great year your first year there. You guys, but you get second in, or not great, good years, you get second in the conference. And then they go to the non, they went independent on you, which, that, that had to be tough as a football program.
4: It was. Uh, in in uh, 2001, and two, and three, we traveled more, we had more travel miles in Hawaii.
5: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when they
4: were playing in the WAC. Yeah. You
5: know? and, uh,
4: I mean, we played everybody from the East Coast to the West Coast. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, we'd play Yukon one week, and then we'd play Fresno the next, and then we'd play Central Florida the week after yeah. that, and then we'd play LSU, and then we'd go back and we'd play Oregon.
5: Yeah.
4: I mean, it was absolutely nuts. I mean, it really was absolutely nuts.
1: It, it so makes it almost impossible to... For the program like that, I mean, well, it's I not as fun, it's not as fun when you're in a conference anyway for the fans or anybody.
4: No, yeah, no, it's it's not. And and realistically, to have a ch- we, we didn't have much of a chance with our facilities to yeah. to get to, to a bowl game. We we needed to recruit at the next level in order yeah. to be able to do that. Kids are so impressionable yeah. in this day and age. Um, you know, we went to the Sun Belt and. And, again, you know, we're playing Middle Tennessee and and uh, Louisiana Monroe. And, and uh, it was just, it was really, really strange and odd. Yeah. It, you know, the one thing I will say about uh, the experience at Utah State was that, man, it was, we played in some real special places. You know, we yeah. played Alabama a couple of times. We played at Nebraska a couple of times, and we played at. You know, we played. Uh, he's at Nip with with ESPN. Played at UConn. Uh, um, oh. Anyway, we played yeah. him when he was at Yukon. Yeah. Uh, played at Iowa. Played uh, Arizona State several yeah. times. So, you know, to play those facilities. And, and stuff like that it was a real treat for the kids and, and uh, you know still uh, as an old man uh, an older man um, it was pretty awesome for us as coaches to have to see that pretty too. Fun. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Pretty fun. long way from uh, when you, you you started the program again at western right then you, you were the first coach when they brought it back i did yeah so uh still a long way you're going from coaching down there at uh, vigilante field Probably had porta potties as the restrooms then, yeah. and then you your coat you playing in Alabama. That's
4: yeah, it was uh, it was really it was really something. Uh, yeah, Mike Shula was at, uh, at Alabama at that time. Saban had not uh, had not gone there yet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we played LSU. We played we played uh, Auburn.
5: When Tuberville
4: was there, or not Tuberville, but. Uh... Oh
1: Christ! Yeah, can ever... get old, Bill. <laughs> I can't. Well, I, I can't remember either who would have been in Auburn then.
4: Ah oh, God, who was the old coach at uh, Florida State? Bowden. Bowden, yeah, it's his kid. Oh, he was Tommy there. Bowden Tommy Bowden. was there. there?
5: Yeah. Okay.
4: Nice guy, yeah. But just unbelievable facilities, you know. You you talk about the difference between Western Montana and, and Auburn. Well, you know, my wife travels with us all the time. There were, thank you. There were ninety thousand people in the stadium at Auburn. In the in the uh, the tailgate prior to. The start of the game. There's 250,000 people tailgating, and 90,000 of them had to leave to go to the game. I mean, there's still another
1: 160,000
4: people outside watching, watching hundred-inch TVs (laughs) hanging off of their motorhomes. Yeah, uh, different world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a little bit different. But you see the facilities now. You talk about that. What well, Montana Tech has is probably, they probably have better facilities now than when you had at Utah State. Oh, no question. And uh, and that's such a big part of their program. You know, they've spent, you know, Matt Steppen, Joe McLaughlin, you start Joe McLaughlin, they, they, they start that. And that that helps Kyle Sampson quite a bit when it comes to recruiting. You get kids in that weight room and locker room, and they're, that's where they want to go.
4: Yep. Well, my nephew uh, just stopped by Monday morning, uh, he lives in goes school at Lockwood. He'll be a senior next year. They have their junior day up at Tech, and and he was invited. So him and his mom stopped in before they went up there. But uh, yeah, there's there they've done a really really nice job. Up there.
1: What's his name? Your nephew.
4: Uh, his name is Tyce Casterline.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh.
4: His mother is a beautiful girl. She played basketball. Northern, oh. Brandon done
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, hopefully, he's an order then.
4: He's a pretty good athlete six yeah. three 180 pounds as a junior. Yeah. Um, he's qualified for the state track meet, uh, 300 meter rollers in the high jump. And, and, uh, and I think he was all state and bat He's a good basketball player as well. Good student. Yeah. Sister's got a full scholarship at uh, Texas Tech. Wow, four-point student there. She'll be a junior next year.
1: Four-point student—that must run from the Denny side.
4: Well, might be the <laughs> might be the mom side. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, it might be the dad's. Yeah, his dad, her father is uh, from Wolf Point. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, the Tex. I would I would expect that they're gonna get better and better and better as it goes on. I, I think of all of the Frontier Conference schools that the opportunity to be good is greater at Montana Tech because of their academics and because of their alumni base and the amount of money that their alumni base has. Yeah. I mean, look, they just got a thirty-one million dollar.
1: Yeah. It's, you don't see teachers giving thirty-one million dollars no, to Western.
5: No.
4: No. <laughs> um, I, I think that I think that uh, yeah. there's some inherent advantages. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, it'd be great to see them get on a run like Carol was on yeah. back in the nineties.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, do you keep in touch with a lot of your, your coaches and stuff? I do. Yeah? Because uh, one of my, uh, I think your, my favorite of all time of your assistant coaches is my buddy Torpedo. The Dorps? Yeah. You talk to him. He's, he's doing really well. mics over at, at
4: Syracuse. Yeah. He's at Syracuse. Uh, I don't see him every year. Uh, I fished with him not last summer, but summer before. Um him and his wife stopped through probably three or four years ago, but I talked to him on the phone, you know, every couple months. Yeah. As soon as spring ball's over, I know they're on the road recruiting because they all call. Yeah. Mike <laughs> called, Torpedo called, Brian Armstrong called. Kodos, uh, uh, he's retired in, in uh, North or in North Carolina. Don't talk to McMahon and uh, Tabor much. McMahon's, I think he's with Oakland now. He's a special teams guy oh, really? with Oakland. And, and Chris Tabor is the special teams guy with the Bears. But uh, they're busy and they're, their schedule's crazy. And yeah. So I, I don't talk with them much. If I need tickets or something, I'll give them a call. I always have a ticket for... Whoever the Bears were playing. Yeah. Uh, but
1: we could probably get Northern tickets too from Jerome Sowers, right? Well, I probably could. Yeah, I would hope so. He, he's actually one of my favorite guys too. I used to love talking to Jerome. Yeah,
4: Jerome was a good guy. We we had we had a lot of good guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which that makes a good head coach, right? That's Coach Green always said he's like Moses. He leans on his staff. <laughs>
4: Coach Green's got a million of them.
1: Yeah. Do you ever play golf with Coach Green out at Fairmont?
4: You know, I've, I've invited him to play, but um, I think he's a scared. He, yeah. he just always has an excuse. Yeah. He's a fair-weather golfer.
1: <laughs> I know he was going to play in our Butte Sports Hall of Fame scrabble last year, but there was a couple of rain clouds in the morning, so it scared him off. Yeah. He,
4: he's a, Him and his group are fair-weather fair guys. Yeah. They, they got that 12 noon tea time locked up out there. Right. They won't go before noon because it's a little chilly for them.
1: <laughs> Do you, uh, you ever play golf with him, with Coach Delaney? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, quite a bit, you know. He's he's competitive as heck on the golf course.
4: He's a good player, yeah. Still hits the ball real well.
1: Have you, have you beat him?
4: Oh, usually. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, not, I mean, it's not. We don't necessarily we don't yeah. compete against one another when we play. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking back scoring wise. Uh, We're fairly close. Yeah. Um, but anyway, does that
1: we, does that ring get you tee times anywhere around Montana? No,
4: never. I never used it. Really?
1: Yeah. Never, <laughs> I've never tried it. See, I think I think uh, Coach Delaney, I think he, he 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 drops the grids quite a bit. Uh, to get tea time, so.
5: Yeah,
4: I don't, I don't get, I don't travel as much as Mick does. I, I you know, I love living in, in this area. Um, I'm, I'm getting it I'm starting to question how much I like it in in January and February, but uh, <laughs> there's not a better place to live than, than uh, in southwestern Montana most of the year. Just, uh, but he, yeah, he puts a lot of miles in. Um, yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm going on 73, he's 80. Um, and I've, I've had my truck for five years, and I, I think I've only got 35,000 miles on it. <laughs> he puts 35,000 miles on his car in the summertime driving yeah. up to Kalispell or Missoula or wherever to play golf.
1: Yeah. And you, what do you like? You fish, more, fish or golf more?
4: Oh, I I like them both. Yeah. Um, probably don't do either one of them as much as I'd like to anymore. Um, I got a lot of arthritis and stuff. When, you know, just getting yeah. so I I do what I can and I enjoy it when I do it. And, and uh, you know, at this age, I think most of us end up chasing grad, grandkids around as much as yeah. anything else. And so. And that's been fun, too.
1: Yeah, that's where I see your buddy Larry Leathers all the time, the yeah. baseball field. Yeah. And uh, that must be quite the crew when you guys get out fishing in a boat with you and, and uh, Butch staring Larry Leathers.
4: You know, I have a chance. To, I, I haven't fished much with Larry, but I have I have with Butch. Um, yeah, that's an experience.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I, I told Butch I want to have him on my podcast. He said, what's that? And I said, Butch, you'd love it. It's an hour where you get to sit and talk about yourself. <laughs> but he yeah. hasn't answered my calls the last couple of weeks, so I think he's been out of town.
4: I think he's down in Santa Barbara visiting his daughter.
1: Yeah. So i got to get Butch on here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd love it. Yeah. He'd, he'd be, he'd, I don't think I'd have to ask him a question, and he'd fill up two hours.
4: You could probably do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would, be a, it would really be an easy deal for yeah. you. yeah.
1: Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying the retirement. I am. And uh, hopefully that handicap's down single digits.
5: Mm.
4: It hasn't been for a couple of years, yeah. but I don't know if you will ever get there, but I still shoot usually between
5: 80
1: and 85. Yeah. And you don't have any Grizz fans yelling at you and you're playing golf, so I'd probably you're probably enjoying yourself.
4: Yeah, from that standpoint, <laughs> life is good. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And Butch will tell you this too, one time he said, uh, you must just think that being out there in front of 25,000 people is just absolutely awesome. And I said, you know what, Butch, it's quite a bit of fun, but the reality of it is those 25,000 people are up there screaming and hollering and all think they're a hell of a lot smarter than me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, anyway, he liked that one.
1: Yeah, well at least you got the ring there. So I'm glad, I'm glad you wore that ring.
4: Oh, yeah, I I, I don't know, it's just habit. I used yeah. to be, wear it recruiting all the time. It's, it's a pretty good topic of discussion without having to bring anything up.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what Chuck morell uh, did that when he applied. Where he was interviewing. They had a couple of public forums, and Coach Gregorick was there one day, and the next day Coach morell And uh, we always teased him because he had a ring from beating Carroll in the championship game, which oh. got the attention of Tech fans. And we joked that he was like John Madden. Remember John Madden always had the one hand showing the ring? Yeah. And all the Orniger fans were there watching like it was a shiny object, his hand watching his hand move. <laughs> so I don't think that hurt his chances to get the job. No,
4: I'm sure it didn't. It didn't. They both would have been good.
5: Yeah,
1: couldn't have went wrong, I don't think.
4: No, no, not so sure.
1: All right, well, coach, again, I appreciate your time and uh, hit them straight and good luck fishing. My pleasure, Bill, it's always good to see
5: you.